From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ravi Mattu, and this is FT News. One in three people say they would book a taxi or minicab through their smartphones instead of owning a car. That's according to a new survey that highlights how new technologies are threatening the business models of car makers. Joining me to discuss this is Peter Campbell, the FT's motor industry correspondent. Peter, thanks for joining us. You wrote a story on this research. Tell us what you found out. So this was very interesting. This was a consumer survey by Capgemini. They surveyed 8,000 people across eight different countries and asked them a whole range of questions over what car they'd buy, how they'd buy it, and their thoughts on future transport. And would they use a smartphone app instead of owning a car? Did they see it as complementary to vehicle ownership or did they see it as an alternative? And 34% of people said they saw a mobility app as an alternative to vehicle ownership. That's up quite significantly on last year. That's risen from 29% the previous year to 34%. And that's interesting because a lot of people are wondering about whether any of these new services such as Uber or Car2Go or BlahBlahCar or Zipcar or any of these businesses where you basically get to use a car without buying a car, at what point they become so ubiquitous that people decide they can actually sell their own cars and survive without their own vehicle in city centres. And this is an issue that a lot of car companies are very interested in. They're worried about potential falling vehicle ownership, especially in big urban centres. And this whole trend of falling car ownership is driven by urbanisation. So by the middle of the century, two thirds of the world's population is going to live in a mega city. And it's in the middle of cities that you have this problem of vehicle ownership that frankly, owning a car when it's difficult to park, when it's congested, when you only use it 5% of the time and the rest of the time have to pay to park it somewhere at your flat or at your work or anywhere else is a bit of a faff. And if there's another way of getting around that is cheap, that is convenient, and that is always available, then people might turn to use that. This is a global survey, but China is especially important because it's the world's biggest car market. And for various tales and trends, it might reveal to us about the broader shift. Tell us a bit more about that. So uh, the survey breaks down the results from different countries. And China, where they surveyed about 1,000 people, showed 80% of the people there that they surveyed said they would see an app as a viable alternative to owning a car. Now, that is massive. That is far, far bigger than any of the developed markets. Uh, you know, the UK, it was just 18% of people. US, it was 40%. Germany, it was 30%. So the fact that China is 8 in 10 people would see one of these services as an alternative to car ownership is very interesting. Now, in China, you have huge urbanization. You have these vast mega cities, and people need to get around them, and they struggle to get around them. And there has been such an explosion in the car market in China that the Chinese government has taken some quite drastic steps to try and clamp down on the number of cars in cities. They have forced scrappage schemes. They have caps on vehicle registrations in tier one cities. So in places like Shanghai and Beijing and Shenzhen, you can't buy a new car without another car having left the system first, all in an effort to try and reduce congestion and particularly in China to try and reduce air pollution and emissions, which is a huge issue there. And China, you know, a lot of people tend to be very tech savvy. They tend to be often ahead of the the curve in the West in terms of technological adoption. And Didi have capitalised on this. They're the kind of Chinese equivalent of Uber and actually uh, basically bought Uber out of the market recently. Their growth has been absolutely enormous. They book or carry out 20 million rides every single day. That's just over 7 billion rides a year across China. And this shows you that Chinese consumers are happy to pay for a service to help them get around without owning a vehicle. 
But it's interesting also in China that vehicle ownership tends to be an aspiration, that people who've grown up seeing international car brands like Land Rover or a BMW or any other car brand, they want to own those. It's a sign of success for them. And so you're seeing sales of premium cars and luxury cars in China holding up very well and that people when they feel they've reached a certain point, they want one of those cars as a status symbol that I have made it and I have bought an international car. So the car market there is still extremely buoyant and extremely robust, but the growth in mobility services has been very, very fast and very aggressive and may well give us an indication of how the rest of the world will eventually look in terms of the spread of car ownership to car use without direct ownership. And Didi, of course, particularly interesting because just last week it was confirmed that SoftBank, the Japanese technology group, had invested $5 billion in the company. But let's move on a bit to the implications then for some of these traditional car makers. Where do the traditional car makers and their business models fit into this? Well, that's an extremely good question. And the answer uh, right now is we don't know yet. So every single car maker is looking at this very simply because of all the questions facing the car industry right now over electric cars in the future, driverless cars, connected cars. The question of car ownership is probably the single most fundamental one because you can make the world's greatest electric driverless connected car. But if no one buys it or if you don't know who you're going to sell it to. The whole thing has been a waste of time. So the idea of who buys cars in the future, how do people get around? Do they own their car? Do they lease it? Do they get it on short-term loan? Do they hail it or beckon it? Do they find some other way of getting about? That is basically the most important question for the car industry. And because this is a trend we've never seen before, nobody knows. Nobody knows how this is going to shake out in 20, 30, 40 years' time. There are a lot of factors that play into that. And so all the car makers, they all know the sorts of things that are out there in the market at the moment, and all of them are dipping their toes in that. But no one has really fully embraced any one particular technology. So General Motors has invested in Lyft. Toyota has invested in Uber. Volkswagen has invested in Get. You have a lot of companies that have launched their own car sharing schemes. BMW has one. Mercedes has one. Audi has one. Ford has a car sharing scheme. Others are looking at similar ideas. Right now, Nissan is trialling a system in France where it'll use people's social media posts to match them up, given their lifestyles and uses of a car that match them up to own a Nissan Micra between them to trial this shared ownership programme. So all the car makers are thinking about this because one of these technologies may end up being prevalent, may end up being the winner. And so the more they stick their fingers into these different answers, the likelier they are to eventually wind up being at least slightly invested in the one that ends up winning. And the whole issue around how we get around in cities is a huge one. Volkswagen has launched a new brand called Moya. It's going to use to run basically electric minibuses around cities. They're going to work with city authorities. Ford's doing something very similar with a group called Chariot, which again is like a minibus shuttle service that they think will actually reduce the number of cars on the road. We had uh, Jim Farley from Ford in Europe talking at the FT's Future of the Car Summit last week, and he said that every chariot on the road takes 11 cars off the road in the US. And in China, every minibus they have in operation could potentially lead to the reduction of as many as 30 cars from the road. So they're all looking at this. Nobody has the answer and nobody has a business model frankly yet as well nobody knows how to make money out of these things they have some inkling of how they could get revenues from it how they could maybe charge people a monthly service for using these but the logistical problems of running a network or a fleet 
or having the risk of all the assets of the cars owned by the company. They haven't really figured out how to get around this. Last question. The car makers themselves, do they feel that this is still all to play for and that they have a pretty big say in how this is all going to play out? I think they definitely all feel it is all to play for. They definitely all see the dangers in everything that is happening. But each of them, every time you talk to them, they try and characterise it as a potential opportunity to be in a new market. The thing around driverless cars is very interesting. They all know this is happening. They all are working on them to some degree or another. Because driverless cars and the technology that goes into driverless cars is probably the one thing that will tip car ownership over the edge. So right now, your car is used probably 5% of the time. The rest of the time, it sits on your drive at home or in the car park at work or in the shopping car park. Whereas if you have a driverless car, after it's come and dropped you off wherever you're going, it can go off and pick up someone else and carry on its journey. And so no one needs to own a driverless car. And there are a lot of people in the industry who think that the advent of driverless cars, when it does eventually come, will actually lead to a big drop-off in individual car ownership because suddenly these cars will be running around all the time. You can always beckon one and you don't need to have a big clunky asset that sits on your driveway. That might be what pushes this whole question around future mobility and transport into the next level. And so the car makers recognise they have all to play for, but no one has the right answer yet. There's certainly a lot of road left on this story to come. Peter Campbell, thank you for joining us very much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.